Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Hey, good morning, Crossroads here, everywhere. Um, man, thank you for showing up this morning. It's a beautiful day. The colors are popping, which is awesome. Um, so Steve is not here. I'm not just introducing Steve. He's, he's out of town, so sorry. Just kidding. Um, hey, uh, really excited to be able to share with you this morning. Um, I'm, I'm Dan, grew up here, uh, even as a kid, grew up in Aspen, um, and my life has been profoundly changed by many people in this church and in this building. Um, and so to be able to come back and just, uh, or be able to give, just be able to share is, is a huge privilege. So Thank you so much for being here, and I hope this morning uh, we get to go on a little adventure together. Uh, Steve has been in a series about hope, and um, you know he wanted me to continue it, but I just said, you know, let's let's just push the brakes a little bit, and um, let's uh, let's just go off the rails for one week. Um, <clears throat> so. Hope, we will get to hope, okay? But here, here is the deal. Um, I, I don't know if you've been in the series or you've been watching online or you're like, Steve's doing a series on hope. I, when did that start? Um, that's totally fine. But uh, I think it's important that whenever we're in anything, right, that we remember why we're doing it. So if we're in a series on hope, we've got to remind ourselves and maybe take, pump the brakes a little bit, maybe pause and remember what hope we have, right? We can't just live in this world where everything is out there um, because it's in here that we have to really deal with. Um, There's only one place where I can influence or that I'm in control of, and it just happens to be this person. So um, we're going to take just a little break, and we're going to think about and talk about, and hopefully um, we get to inspire each other in what hope really is. Because we can talk all day about hope and the end times, uh, and and we can face the problems, which there's there's enough uh, to try to face and try to understand but if we forget what we're hoping for or why we have the hope, uh, it, it's just a bunch of knowledge, right? And knowledge is important, but knowledge only takes us so far. Like the, the journey of someone who knows Jesus is, is making our minds and our hearts work together for his glory, right? And so if we're just in our head knowledge and not our heart, if our hearts aren't exploding with the truth, um, we're missing something. So we're going to pause a little bit this morning. Um, uh, I am the area director for a ministry called Young Life. Uh, I've been doing it for a couple years. Um, and it is, uh, it is truly a privilege. I love hanging out with high school, and middle school kids. And side note disclaimer, I have a lot of these when I speak. Um, man, if you are someone who loves Jesus right? Which I, I hope and pray every person is, right? That's the point. Um, find your demographic. 
like whatever demographic it is. I, I don't care. I just know that my life has been impacted and changed so much because I have a people that I like to hang out with. I have a group that I want to bring Jesus into, uh, and it's changed my life more than it's changed any of their lives, right? God's used me in ways that I could never imagine God using me. And so whatever your demographic is, go find it and be passionate about it. Because there's times when, when our intellect or when our, our desire to serve is not necessarily where it should be. Or maybe I just struggle with that. But my passion for the demographic that I have surpasses that, right? And so as believers, my challenge, first challenge of the day, uh, what's your demographic, right? Just kind of put that in there. Let that marinate a little, uh, and hopefully it goes on. But uh, being involved with Young Life, I've spent um, many hours hanging out with high school and middle school kids. Um, it's been fun. It's been crazy fun, crazy, so many adventures. And I think part of it is I love adventure so much that that might be why this demographic is the one that I am attracted to, the one that I feel called to, the one that I want to spend time with because they're all about adventure. And I think part of it also, just when I grew up here, uh, I don't know if you know, the school district has these programs. It starts in kindergarten, goes all the way through high school. It's called outdoor ed and experiential education. But the whole class or a group of your class or a group of the high school are all over the country doing something for a week or four days or three days uh, out in the wilderness and experiencing life in a different way outside of the classroom but no less of an education. That's my plug because I love this program. Um, I volunteered for it for over 20 years. I, I love it. Uh, and it's given me another place and another format for me to see high school and middle school kids in a different way. A way that uh, even Young Life Camping, we take them out of their normal life. We take the distractions of everyday life, good and bad. Right? There's good distractions, and there's distractions that aren't good. Uh, if you are a parent of any high schooler or teenager, I have three, uh, a phone is good or bad, right? I'll let you be the judge. Uh, it's just their world, right? And so <clears throat> it, it's when we can take them out of that, when we can get them away from their distractions or Distractions can also just be our way of finding comfort in a place that's not comfortable, right? If we can take them away from that, we get to see who they really are. It's in the crazy adventures of life that, that we're exposed. It's the crazy adventures of life that we can become who we truly are. We can stop playing the game. I know that in my life, there's five days, sometimes six days, sometimes seven days a week that I'm playing the game. Who am I? What am I projecting? Am I being successful? How do I get to the next thing? What, what do I want? What's this person think? If I do this, what? We, we play the game all the time. We were trained to play the game. And the game can be so over, it can just overcome us. And the beauty of, of coming together, the beauty of being here, is we get a pause from the game. The beauty of being on an adventure is you remove the game. Like there's no game out there. It's just you and your group 
or just you doing what you do. And it's these times of exposure that we get to see our true selves. Um, and it's a chance when, when I'm with high school and middle school kids, it's a chance that I get to see who they really are. I get to ask questions to draw that out. We get to have conversations about that. And that is a, a fun and beautiful time. So I love adventure. So I'm going to share a quick story this morning um, just to set this whole thing up. Uh, so I volunteer with the experiential education program. That's the high school version. Um, and there was this, this section. It was a beautiful six years um, where we had this trip to the Channel Islands off the coast of California. Um, and there were, I think there's eight. We went to the northern four Channel Islands. And it just so happened it was a great timing because it was like shark mating season in the southern Channel Islands, which is a really good thing for us because we were going out there to scuba dive and there's like great white sharks and I don't need to be the slowest seal in the water. So having them in the southern Channel Islands is a great thing for me right? Um, the water's like 55 degrees. So you, you actually look like a big, slow, injured seal, right? You've got a hood, gloves, you're all black. And, you know, you watch them in the water and you're like, wait, wait for me, wait. <clears throat> but it was beautiful. So we're on this dive trip. Um, we would load up. We took like 24 kids. We'd get in this 20 or 65-foot boat, and we would truck out to the Channel Islands, and we'd spend our days diving and snorkeling and sea kayaking and going through kelp beds and seeing bat rays and harbor seals and sea lions, like sea lions coming at your face, blowing bubbles, uh, and you scream. You can scream underwater. Uh, I've seen someone do it. I've never myself done it. I've done it. Um, it was it was like magical. Um, it was such a cool trip. Three marine biologists from Aspen like went on from Aspen High School. Three kids, mountain kids, became marine biologists. Like makes no sense, but thank you, Exed. So uh, we're on this trip. I think it was like the fourth or fifth year. I can't remember. They all blend together. Um, but <clears throat> I remember this one time. We were playing all day. We we're having a good time. And we we're moving from one island to the next island. So we had to like go out into the open ocean, right? And it's like, it's not a big deal. We're in a boat that's made for this whole thing. Like it's going to be super fun. Um, and we're on the leeward side. So that means the wind's not on that side. And so it was a great thing. And we like pull the anchor after our diving and everything. We come up and it's like, you're like, well, there's waves in the ocean. Like the water was turned up, right? So they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to go back. We're going to anchor it. We're going to let this pass through, and we'll go later uh, so it's not so rough. I was like, oh, okay. I don't care either way. Um, so we go back. We anchor again. We have dinner. We're hanging out. And uh, it gets to the point where, like, okay, we've got to do this. Like, we've got to make the move. Hopefully the water's calmed down. And, you know, this is all above my pay grade, so I don't really – I can't make a decision either way, right? I'm along for the ride, whatever they decide. So sure, let's do it. Um, so we start out and we get to the same spot and now it's dark. We have full bellies. Everybody's feeling relaxed, but nothing has changed. If anything, it's gotten worse, right? Which is in retrospect, like 
that's awesome for me. Right, so we uh, we start out and um, we're all in the like galley area, and you know there's no really there's no horizon really because it's dark and you're inside and all of a sudden you know you just like you hear the wind and then you feel the boat starting to rise and go down and then it's a little longer of a rise and a little further of a down with a little side sway. And I'm just sitting in this room, and I'm like, just watching 24 high school kids who are from the mountains with me. I just happen to not get motion sickness or seasickness or anything. So I know, I'm pretty confident that I'm okay. And, uh, and I just watch the room, and it's slowly like everybody's suntan starting to go away a little. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I walk out and I sit on this bench that's like outside catching some fresh air and I'm watching the boat, the boat. I'm not even really caring. I'm looking at everybody's face and you know, some of the guys are in there like, what? It's fine. Just need some water, you know? And the ladies are like, what is going on? You know, they're, it's just everybody is in this personal story and they have no idea what's going on right they're like i got my bands on i've took my medicaid what is going on they have no idea what's about to happen but i do right because i'm a couple years older i've got wisdom so i got a front row seat and i'm just waiting and it was just slowly slowly every everyone became really really white like pasty white and one by one run to the outside, find the rail. And I'm like, just let it go. Yeah. I, I'm having the time of my life. And it was pretty much every single person is every kid. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was a one in a lifetime opportunity and I took advantage. I loved it. So we're out there, we're doing our thing. We finally like pull into the other side. I thought it was great. Everybody was not happy. Uh, and, and we anchored and the water just uh, slowly like got better. And we were on the leeward side of another Island and we anchored up and it was like, okay, everything's fine. I mean, for some people, like every kid, it was a couple hours, maybe the rest of the night, they weren't fine, but they were fine, you know? Uh, and everybody was fine. No one was injured like traumatically. Uh, but it was just, it was awesome. It's just one of those times you don't ever forget. Um, But for me, growing up here, it was the first time that I experienced a storm, like an ocean storm, one that I have no idea what to do. Like something goes wrong, I grab something that floats, right? But I was pretty confident. I'm like, listen, we're in a boat that's designed for this. Like I'm not. I wasn't worried that we were going to like drown. I was too worried about missing out on what the show was, right? So we were safe. We were good. But I share that story because for me, it's the only time like that I experienced this storm. And I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know where you're from. I don't necessarily know if you've been in a sea or an ocean storm or a lake storm. Uh, I guess there's lake storms. I don't know. 
I'm from the mountains. Uh, but I have a video that we're going to watch, and this video um, just gives a short, short recap of some fishermen, some like real life people who encounter storms all the time, and how a storm can inspire real fear, uh, not just a, a gallery of seasickness. So this is a this is a quick clip. We marked two fish this morning. Didn't hook those. Small craft advisory in effect through morning. Tonight, some thunderstorms may be severe with damaging winds. Listen to this. Large hail and heavy rainfall. Dude, that doesn't sound good. There's going to be a lot of destruction. 25 to 35 knots. Becoming salt 15 to 20 knots in the afternoon. Not good. Oh, 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 we're so screwed. It's going to blow the leftover hair I get off my head. I got enough problems. Okay, so this is just a little storm, right? Now, I, I can't imagine really being in there, but listen, they've got like radar, radios, a cabin, a windshield wiper, probably a heater, uh, but they're in a storm. These are professionals, right? They're like, oh, this one's a bad one, right? And you see the lightning, and I mean, it's crazy. And I shared my story, and I share that video because, man, I really think it's so important for us to dive in to the scriptures, to experience the scriptures. If we just read the scriptures, it, will it do something for us? Absolutely, right? It's God's word. But I know for me, if I, if I just read the scriptures to read the scriptures, like, hey, I had a quiet time today. I was with God today. I read a chapter, whatever it is. I read a verse, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. But there's times when I can just skip through a section and be like, oh yeah, I remember that one person told me this and my Sunday school teacher told me this and that one pastor one time said this point. Oh yeah, I remember those points. Those were good. Those are good points. And the scripture just becomes like this thing that I know the scripture. I know the points. I can, you know, I put those in my life and they come out sometimes like, but I read the scripture. But it's when we dive into the scripture, when we experience the scripture, that our life experience comes up. It reminds us, it gives us feelings of what we've felt in real life. It puts us in situations where we've had to deal with similar things in life. It puts us in a place where we understand the scriptures, not just our intellect of the three points, but how those points play out in our life. We need both. We need the three points or the points behind it or the, the intellect behind it to understand what God is conveying, but we also need to experience it 
Because when it comes to the storms of life, when it comes to the chaos of life, when it comes to adventure, if it's intense and insane and the more chaotic it is, our intellect goes away a little bit. We rely on what we feel. And if we don't feel God, if we haven't taken the time to experience God, then we ask one of the most provocative questions that I think every person needs to answer and continue to answer in their journey with Jesus. Do you care? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to look at an experience that Jesus had with his 12 closest friends. The Bible, it's called Disciples. It's these 12 guys that he spent years with, three years, almost every second of every day with these guys. And in that 12, there's also another group of like 70 that would travel with him. But everywhere in the gospels that we read, it says that there is a large crowd. Another side note. I want you to be excited about the scripture. I want you to read the scripture. I want you to read the whole Bible, right? It all ties together. It's a beautiful story. But way long ago, somebody who I wish I could give them credit because they're super wise and I probably wasn't really listening, but I listened enough to remember, uh, told me, whatever you do, stay in the Gospels. Like read the whole Bible, but always go back to the Gospels. Be in the Gospels. Why? Why the Gospels? Because it's when Jesus and the body of a human was speaking to us. It's when he was teaching, physically teaching people. It was when he was physically showing himself, revealing himself, right? He was the visible image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15, it's the time when, when God and humanity, since the fall of man, were intersecting and, re, and interacting together. Stay in the Gospels. And dive into the Gospels because it makes everything make sense. And so that's, I love the Gospels. I love to read them. I love the story of it. So we're going to deep dive into Mark 4, chapter 35 through 41. I'm going to read it for us and then we're going to, um, we're going to continue. So you can turn there or, oh yeah, I got the clicker. I always forget that. All right, there it is. Um, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was there in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Up to this point, Jesus' closest friends those disciples, even those 70, have experienced amazing miracles. Up to this point, just in Mark, uh, he's healed a leper with a touch. He's raised a dead boy from the grave. He's brought a boy back to life. 
he's explained the gospels, he's ex- or the, the, the word of God in ways that they've never heard. They've seen and experienced Jesus in a way that no one else has up to this point in humanity. And we get this little account where they ask this question, do you care? And I think some of us can sit here and be like, well, they're so young, right? I wish that the disciples were just more mature in their faith. I mean, of course they know it. Why would they ask it? But that is the point of the adventure. That is the point of storms is that they put us in this situation. And Steve's even talked about it. It puts us in this situation where we're exposed and how we respond is really, really good. Whatever way we respond, as long as we understand how we're responding and why. Okay. So we're going to look at this. I think the way that we just read it, which is important, we started at the beginning, we ended at the end, we, we read every word, we, we thought about it. I, I can guarantee you that almost everyone in this room could come up with one or two points of, of knowledge um, and, and give it to us. This is what I got out of that scripture. For a lot of us, if you grew up in church, it's going to be something that somebody told you at some point, right? That's good, but that's... That's not how I, I want us to read the scripture. So we, we're going to do this again. And it's going to take a little more time, but it's going to be way more fun. Okay, so let's set it up. Jesus has been teaching all day. He has been teaching people. He's got some great parables. There's three of them right before this. He's been on this lakeside. The Sea of Galilee is where he is. He's probably in a boat teaching because there's so many people that he's got to get out a little bit. And I don't know if it like helps with his voice or not. I, I don't know. When I read about like, we need a microphone for this many people. And Jesus was teaching like thousands of people with no microphone. How did it work? I don't know. Uh, that's just how I think of things. So he's teaching. He's got his, his 12 guys are around serving and doing things. He's got this other group of 70 people who he travels with. They're around and helping. They're all listening. They're all active. And Jesus is just all day in the sun, gone. He is teaching. He is showing people. He's performing miracles. He's doing, doing things and saying things no one's seen up to this point, right? I don't, I don't know about you. That sounds more than exhausting, right? Like, for any introvert in the room, that's like, uh-uh. You said large crowd. I was done there, right? For extroverts in the room, it's like, that's awesome for a couple hours. But then I'm really tired all day. You've got a crowd of people who came to see not, not 12 people, one person. And he gives them the whole day. The whole day. And we open this story and I think it just shows us the humanity of Jesus, right? So they're here, they're at the Sea of Galilee. There's a big crowd. Sea of Galilee, what does that mean? It's like a sea around Galilee. (laughs) But I looked it up. It's four miles wide and 12 miles long. And where it is and how it's situated, storms could come and just devastate this area just the way it's set up, right? It's like a little funnel. And so we've got this scene set up. It's a beautiful day. Jesus is, you know, people got their 
picnic baskets. I, I don't know what it looks like. I just know that everyone is there to see Jesus. And the day dwindles down and Jesus looks at his friends and says, hey, let's go to the other side. Let's get out of here. And he wasn't leaving the crowds like forever. If you read, you know, he goes to the other side of the lake and he gets there and he has this interaction and does some things and a bunch of pigs run off a cliff and, and they say, you know, maybe you shouldn't be here. And he's like, okay. And he comes back and guess who's still waiting? The crowds, like the crowds are still there. They're always there. They want to see Jesus. So he was just like, man, I need a break, right? And so it says that they, they got in the boats it's 12 miles, four miles wide, 12 miles long. And it says, leaving the crowd behind for a time, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There are also other boats with him. So the other guys, the 70-ish people who travel with them, they've got all these little boats and they're just cruising across the lake. You know, casual conversations. This is, this is the times that we love. This is when we're with our friends, the people we hang out with, and we're just talking about life and what's going on and how, man, did you hear what Jesus said today? Yeah. You know, this is what it made me think of. And they're having these conversations that are awesome. Not everybody, because we also know who we are, right? Someone's like, Hey, did you see that one? Yeah, she was hot. They're doing this whole thing. It's just guys and being guys and girls being girls. Like there's conversations about everything and anything. And they've got 12 miles to go. They're going to the other side. Or hopefully, you know, in my brain, I'd be like, I hope we're going side to side because that's only four miles. 12 is a really long way. <clears throat> and it says, uh, where's Jesus? He's asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat, Right? If you ever wonder the humanity of Jesus, like this is it. He was, he was exhausted. He's so tired. And for some of you, you've already come to this conclusion. For some of you, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Guys in a boat, I don't care how tired you are. Going to sleep is a risk. Okay. Someone's going to draw on you. Someone's going to take a picture of you and post it somewhere where you don't want it. Someone's going to do something to you that you don't want to. And you're going to wake up groggy and upset and everyone's going to be looking at you and laughing, right? That's like a guy's trip. That's a thing, right? So the fact that he's willing to lay down and go to sleep, that just tells you how tired he really is. Or that he has way better friends than I've ever had in my life, okay? I don't know which one it is, but it's one of those. But he is so tired that he gets in the back of this boat, not a boat with a cabin and radar and a radio and a heater and a windshield wiper, but a boat that's open, maybe a sail, a couple oars. And he gets in the back and he's like, fellas, I am done. I'm going to sleep. Okay, Jesus, we won't draw on you. <clears throat> and so he goes to sleep. So we've got these boats. We're on the Sea of Galilee. We're hopefully going four miles, not 12 miles. And uh, we know some things about this group. We know there's a couple fishermen in this group, guys who grew up on the water, guys who grew up in a boat, guys who just know, like, like for us, us mountain people, right? The wind shifts a little bit or you're like, Ooh, my knees. I think a storm's coming, right? Or you're driving to my house along McLean flats and the elk are all of a sudden you're like, all right, something's about to change. Like we know the smell is different. The feel of the air is different when a storm's coming. 
There's times where we can look down our valley and we just see the wall coming. And depending on what season it is, it's exciting or it's like, really? I was planning on hiking today. These guys are the same. They're in the boat. And I think the fishermen are sitting there. Peter's one of them. And all of a sudden he's, and he looks and, you know, he's got like Matthew, the city dude next to him. He's like, I can't talk to him about this. And he walks to the other fisherman, his brother maybe. And he's like, hey, did you feel that? He's like, yeah. Did the wind shift? Yeah. Does it smell? Yeah. There's something coming. At this point, they really hope that they're doing the four and not the 12, right? We're going side to side, not back to front, because there is a storm coming. Like, they know it. And sometimes we know when storms are coming, right? We don't need the radar and all that stuff. We just know. We feel it. But there's also people on the boat who have no idea. They're just do-to-do, like, yeah, we'll get there. What? How long is it, Peter? Okay. And they're doing their thing. And they're having conversations and they're getting tired, but they're like, you know what? It was a good day. They're having a good time. Uh, They have no idea what's coming, but it says a furious squall. Like a squall is this wall of a storm that comes on you. It can be calm and then it's just chaos everywhere. And all of a sudden they're in this storm. They're enveloped by it. They are overcome by the storm, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat that it was nearly swamped. Now, every single one of us, I I won't even say it, me, storms come in our lives and storms sometimes just show up in our lives. And when those storms come up, I think that I would be more like Peter. There's a lot in Peter, you know, he speaks before he thinks. He's impulsive. Uh, He thinks he's bigger than he is. Okay, thank you. That was my moment of humility. Um, They're sitting there, and I think at some point, you know, this storm comes, and all of a sudden it's like the, the tax collectors or the city guys in the boats are like, Hey, it's not as calm as it was, right? Like, I mean, they, they may not know what's happening, but they know something's happening. And who takes charge in those times? It's the guys with the experience, right? It's a fisherman, Peter and his brother and the other guys. They're like, okay, listen, guys, there's something. Okay, it's here, right? It is here and it is crazy. And in the times of crazy, what do we do? Some of us just sit down. I think all of us at some point in a storm just sit down. We're so caught up in the storm. We're so afraid of what's going on. We have no, we realize off the bat, there is no control that I have in this situation and fear can paralyze. Fear can put us in a place where we just sit. But this is a little different, right? They're in a boat. So someone who's got a little more experience throws a bucket at them and says, start bailing right? Get the water out of the boat. If you're going to sit there, fine, but get the water out of the boat. There's people taking charge because they understand what's going on. And they're, they're in this little boat community and they are going to survive. And so he's like, you grab the bucket, you get another bucket, put the oars down, get the sail down. Like they're doing all the things. I don't know if that's really what you do in a storm. Cause I grew up in the mountains. I'm assuming that's what you do. I've seen it on a movie. <clears throat> 
and they're taking charge and they're doing it. And you've got this little hub of community people, this boat that are taking care of each other and they all have a job. They're all doing something. Some of them are doing it because they're told to do it. Some of them are doing it because they know it has to be done and they just took charge. But everybody is in the storm. Everyone has their part. And when you think about it, you just see it. You see people bailing water like crazy. They're head down. They have no idea. They're petrified. You've got one guy who's probably bailing water, but it's super slow because he's like, you know, there's all my paperwork in order. Like, if I, do I have everything? Like, this is, this is it. This is it. This is it. Like, I got to think about all the regrets I have. Like, there's just so many things going on in this little boat that is our life. It's all of us at some point in our life. You got people yelling what to do, all these things, but where is Jesus? Like he had to be really tired. I have been on trips with high school kids riding a bus, trying to sleep through the night, which is so comfortable on a bus. Your seat's like, beep. <laughs> and that's it. Headlights. Soon as that bus, like it's six inches, it doesn't have to touch the rumble strip. I feel the rumble strip coming. I'm like, so tell me about yourself. What's going on? You know, it's three in the morning. I'm exhausted, but I'm going to stay awake, right? Like there's just times. Jesus is still asleep during this whole storm. How is he not waking up? Well, I think there's a point to it. We'll get to it. I think at some point, the guy, I really believe the guy who is sitting and was petrified in fear. I don't think he was the only one. I think there's some, at some point, and I think it's this posture first is like, should we, should we wake up Jesus? Like, yes, no. I'm, I'm obviously not in charge right now because I'm paralyzed in fear. And there's somebody who's in charge at this point, probably a Peter, who's like, don't worry about it. He had a tough day. We'll take care of it, right? Start bailing. Use two. You got two hands. Use two buckets. Like, we're saying all these different things. So life is going on. Life is going on. But at some point, at some point, the people in charge, the ones who are confident in this situation, who've been there before, come to the conclusion that everybody up to this point has come to there's nothing we can do. We cannot change the circumstance. We cannot change the storm. We're in it. And we need everybody to be in it. And I think there's a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians, people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus, that are in this predicament. God may be here, but God set things in motion and he's not a part of it anymore. God may be here, but he's asleep. He's forgotten about us. He doesn't care about us. There's some of us who are like so stuck in pride and sin, and this can be me. I refuse to wake Jesus up because I've got it. Listen, I've read my Bible. I know who Jesus is. I can get us through this situation. And I leave him asleep in the back because I want to be the savior. And those situations never end well. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen the same way the next time, but that's, I'm a slow learner. So Jesus is in the back of the boat and eventually they get to the point where they have to wake Jesus up. 
Right. And these are the stories like we've read this. We've heard these stories so many times. Some of us so many times we could just give the story back verbatim. But we miss some of these intimate moments because we read it. And it says the disciples woke him and said, Jesus, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I think that's kind of how we view it. Right? We kind of view it like, well, it's Jesus. Like we have the whole story, right? They're in the moment. We have the end of the story at our disposal. They're living this story. What do you picture? How do you picture this situation? Jesus. Hey. Hey. Um, should we wake him up? Are you sure? Okay. Listen, okay, we need to wake him up, but you need to wake him up. I don't want to be the one. That... <sighs> Come on. No, you got us in this mess. You're going to, you know, whatever. Hi. Hi, Jesus. Hey, there's a storm. Just wanted to let you know. Like, I mean, what are they waking him up for? Right, in, our, in my brain, when I read this, when I experienced this, I think most of us, because we know the story, are like, they're waking him up because he's Jesus. Maybe, maybe some of them. But I think most of them are waking him up because there's an extra bucket. I mean, put yourself in this situation, right? You are doing everything and fear is coming and you're getting more and more paralyzed. And what do you do? You look in the back and you're like, he's sleeping. Well, the first time you're like, well, he had a rough day, right? And now your arm's getting tired and the boat's getting swamped and the storm's not going away. And where do you look? He's sleeping, (laughs) right? Now I'm throwing water harder and longer and I'm getting upset. I mean, eventually I look back and I'm like, he is not going to be sleeping for much longer. Like that's just how we work, right? And so when I go to wake up Jesus, it's not this like rub his hair and, you know, stroke his shoulder. I got some hot cocoa for you. No, it is like, wake up. How are you sleeping? We're in the middle of a storm, right? They're freaking out. They've come to the place where they realize it does not matter what we do. It does not matter our experience. We are in something that is bigger than us. We cannot control the waves. We cannot control the wind. We cannot make this storm go away. We're in it and we're doing everything we can to survive and it's not working. I guess we go to Jesus. That's been a lot of situations in my life. I guess I'll go to Jesus. And so we wake him up. And we expect him to do what we think he should do. In this case, maybe grab a stinking bucket and help us out. You can't be that tired. We're about to drown. So wakes him up. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is the question, right? You've been asleep the whole time. Here we are. Don't you care if, I don't care, it's, in most of our cases, we live in the mountains, it's not drown, right? Don't you care if, what is it? What's the storm? It's 2020, we could throw a lot of things in there. I got like 12 right here on the tip of my tongue. 
But what is it in your heart? Don't you care? It is a profound question. And when did it come out? Not when the water was calm. Not when life was really easy. Of course God cares. It's easy then. It's when everything is out of control. It's when we realize, we realize we have no control. That that question comes out and that question needs to come out. Because if we don't ask the question, we're not in a place where we can hear the answer. Or we're in a place where I can tell you God cares all the time. I can give you scriptures. I can give you verses. I can tell you, you know, I read this book and this is what it said. Like, I can make it. It's all true. But it's when I experience it, it comes alive. And when I ask that question in that state of frustration and, and fear and a place where I realize my control is zilch, I'm ready for the answer. And I know for me, I'm ready to give Jesus the answer a lot of the times. Grab a bucket. Let's do this. But Jesus is God and God works in ways that we don't even imagine. This is another place like we read the story. We know the end of the story, but put yourself there. Jesus wakes up and he's not, what does he do? Says he got up. First thing, awesome. So God moves. That's good. But it wasn't like, guys, you know who I am. Why would you even ask that question? How dare you? Of course, you know, I care. Look at all the things I've like, I'm just going to give you uh, a quick recap of, you know, generations of how God's cared for humanity in this moment. I know the storm is big, but so in Genesis one, like (laughs) that's not what they needed to hear. Right? Don't you care if. Guys, you've seen the miracles I've done. You don't think I can do a miracle? Like, doesn't matter. What matters is I'm in this position and I have no control and I wonder if you care. So God does something that nobody in that boat or on that boat or in that boat, the only way we experience this is because we've read it so many times loses its power. Where is Jesus? He's in the back of the boat. Now this is a little, this is my imagination. This is not scripture coming alive in some random place. I I don't know if this is how it happened, but if it happened this way, I think it's pretty cool. So give me a little artistic license. You're in a storm. I believe in a storm. You you, You point the front of the boat towards the storm, right? Because if you're sideways, you get flipped over. And if you're backwards, well, where are you going? Like, you're just going to be in the storm longer. So for me, in logic, it just makes sense that you're going into the storm more to get through the storm. So the bow of the boat is up there. The stern of the boat is back here. Jesus asleep here. And I just, Jesus gets up. And it doesn't say he does this, but I think it would be awesome. Takes his first step. He's going to walk through all the people. Because... They all can't see him in the back. But the wind, come on. His robe starts flowing. His hair. Moon shimmers through the storm. 
And he walks to the front of the boat. First scene, this Titanic copied this. Titanic did not cite their source. It was this. And he gets on the front of the boat. He's flowing. Things are good. Everybody's like, what in the world? He's, he's jumping in. Like We've made him so mad. He's going to jump in the water and we're never going to see him again. Some whale's going to swallow him up. This is going to be Jonah all over. Great. Nope. It says he got up. He rebuked the wind. What the, what does that look like? Rebuke the wind? Like you can't even see the wind. How are you supposed to rebuke it? And what does rebuke really mean? I don't even know. It's not even a word we use. I just kind of, in my brain, it's the Matumbo, right? Like you will not go. Or it's like the Gandalf, you shall not pass. Like it's just some power stance. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, mm, it's like intense. It says he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And it was loud enough, like this is a chaotic storm. Things are happening and moving and people are crazy and fear. And so it has to be loud enough. So I use, I, I would say, he used his dad voice, right? It's, it's firm. It's not yelling, but it's loud. It's a voice that commands attention, right? Quiet. Be still. And what does it say? The wind died down and it was completely calm. Like this is my cartoon, cartoon moment in the story. All the boats synchronizing. They're at the top of this huge wave because it's chaos. And Jesus is standing and flowing and lights and says it, dad, command. And what happens? The wind's done. The water's calm. They're all midair because they're at the top of the wave. And now there's no more wave. And so they're just standing there. And the, we're, there's still one guy who's still, still bailing water. He's missed the entire thing. He has no idea what's happened. The other people are like, what just happened? And then boom, they all land at the same moment. They're looking at each other. They have no idea. The moon's out. The stars are crazy. They can see each other's faces and there's ripples. And the ripples are not from the storm. The ripples are from their boat smacking the water. And, and they're just sitting there looking at God. God showed up in a way that they could not imagine. We can imagine it because we read it. Not one person woke up Jesus and I believe, I, I could be wrong. There's probably someone who's way better at this stuff than me, but I don't think they woke up Jesus like, it's time to wake up Jesus because he can calm the storm. He will take the waves and the wind away. He will make the water like glass. That is not my expectation ever in any storm I've ever been in in my life. That Jesus is going to come in and just take it all away. My expectations is this is how I need Jesus to show up. I, I believe because I know Jesus personally that he cares, but this is how I want him to show me he cares. This is how I will know he cares. That's how I look at it. And when he shows up in some different way, oh man, those are the moments. Those are the times where we're like, what? This is God. God just showed up. And what's his response to them? He now turns. The moon probably followed him, you know, because wants his light, wants it to get good light. And he looks at his friends. 
the guys he's been traveling with, the guys that he spends years with. And he asks them, why are you so afraid? Jesus, in the Bible, one of the things that this talked about the most is fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because fear cripples us. Fear puts us in a posture where we just finally give up and we're like, fear can put us, just can freeze us where we are. It's powerful. And God over and over and over and over says, fear not. Why? Because look at the situation. Because I am with you. Who is with you? God is with you. He created the wind. He created the, the, the water. He created storms. Like he, he created how it all works together. Now I want you to hear me. I'm not saying like God throws storms at you because he wants you to suffer. I'm saying like the world works in a certain way for a certain reason. But I also know that whatever circumstances come, God will use it to give himself glory. And he wants to do it through you and with you, never in spite of you. He wants to. Like, think about the people in the boat, right? The dude who sat down at the very beginning was like, I have no control. Maybe we should wake up Jesus. Like, he was the one with the best plan, right? But he was the one that was listened to the least. The guy who took control and was like, this is what we do and this is what we do. This is a great thing for us to remember because We've talked about community. We've talked about being together and being a people who are with God. And we are. But there's a side of it that we can follow people and we can follow ideas and we can get so caught up in ourselves and our plan and what we want that we forget about Jesus. We have to listen to one another. We have to push one another. We have to encourage one another. We have to make sure that when we as a community are moving somewhere, be it three or two or 20 or a hundred or a thousand, that we know where Jesus is when we're moving. Because if we're moving with him in the back of the boat, it's just us doing our thing. And what's the result besides more chaos? Maybe more hurt, maybe more pain. No, we got to get Jesus in the middle of it. In fact, let's get him in the front of the boat because I want to follow him, not run and be like, Jesus, we're going this way. In the storms, in the chaos, what's your natural inclination? Is it to get Jesus with us, for us? Say, what do we do? God, how are you showing up? Or is it to take control and do our thing until we finally are so exhausted that we're like, I guess we wake up Jesus. Like it's a personal failure that I have to wake up the Lord of the universe who cares for me. He's waiting for us. So he looks at his friends and he says, why are you afraid? Do you not remember who I am? Well, if it's just my intellect, I probably will. But if it's where my heart is, I won't. I'll remember because I feel it. I know you're with me. And then he says, do you still have no faith? Guys, you know me. You believe in me. I heard you today agreeing with what I'm saying. I saw you serving people today because you believe that I am God. But when the storm came, when chaos came, what was your action? 
It wasn't faith and trust in me. It was to leave me in the back of the boat asleep and let you take care of it. Yeah, I understand that we're in the, the ocean and there's, or the sea and there's not a ton that can happen except for like our boat sinking. Good thing it's Sea Galley. There's no sharks. That's a plus. But why, why wouldn't you invite me in this situation too? Why would you leave me out of this? Because you perceive it as not a, a huge deal. There's times when I feel comfortable or I feel confident in a storm and I forget about the other people who may be petrified. And my wanting to be the savior is more important than me taking care of other people who are petrified, who are frozen in fear. I got this. Just grab a bucket. We'll take care of it. That's not healthy. That's not a place I want to be. It is a place I've been, and it's probably a place I'll be again, but it's not where I want to be. It finishes uh, with they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. We read it, and we know the end. So we're like, well, it's God. It's Jesus, right? Every Sunday school answer, every ever. Who is it? It's Jesus. Again, that's important to know. And it's important what that means. But until we feel it, until we experience it, it's only knowledge. When we feel it and we experience it, it's, it's truth come alive. And when they're sitting there at the end, they were terrified, terrified, before he said fear, I think there's a difference here, right? I don't think that they're sitting in the boat frozen in fear, wondering who Jesus is. I think they're terrified because they have this new understanding of Jesus and it's awe. It's all through the Bible, right? It's this thing of fear and of like, I can't even understand. It's so big and beautiful and wonderful. It's those two things coming together. And that, that, can be terrifying, but it doesn't freeze us. It can be a great motivator. It can give us confidence to go out because I understand that no matter what happens, I have God. He's on my side. So it's like, why are you afraid? What storm do you think can come into your life that, that Jesus can't handle? And if I'm honest, I want to be like, well, it's 2020. I got a couple I can tell you, Jesus. I've been experiencing them for quite some time now. And I'm more frustrated and more angry and more mad and more, I have less answers than I started. Like what is going on? And we can get so caught up in all these little storms. And I don't want to diminish any of them because they are all storms. But as a Christian, we are always in a storm because there's a battle for humanity going on all the time. And in the midst of the storm, our intellect is not always going to save us. We have to know Jesus personally. And for me, uh, there's one thing I got to remember. Romans 5.8. In the midst of the storm, I'm not going to think through my life and be like, oh yes, and Jesus showed up here. Oh, that was such a good moment that one time when he showed up. Like, the chaos is too much. 
the chaos can be so big and so overwhelming that I forget the intellect goes away and I'm just going on feelings. But if I'm in a place where I understand this, this truth, it doesn't matter the storm. Why? Because God showed up. His great, he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed me he cared for me 2,000 years before I was around, uh, 1,975 years before I was around. For me. Do the math, you can figure out how old I am. Just a young book. Uh, in the midst of the storm, this is the person I want to show up. This is the me that I want to come out. I'm not there. Not there yet. But that, did you hear it? That's the hope. When the storms come, what Steve's been talking about, the end times, like the end times started when Jesus went back to heaven. We've been in the end times for a long time. It's just they're a little more intense right now. Right? And hopefully they, they, aren't this intense for a long time because I can't sustain this. But the beauty of it is, is I don't need to. I need to be engaged and I need to understand, but I need to remember this because in the storms that I face over and over and over, I'm going to ask the question, do you care? I always know the answer. I know he cares because he died for me before I was even around. How much does he care? That much. And so when it's like, where's your faith? It's not like this, make you feel bad about who you are and that you don't measure up on something. It's saying, why don't you remember this? This is what your faith is in, that I love you. I showed you that I loved you by sending my son. I have removed every obstacle that is between us. So stop putting more obstacles in the way. Let us be together. Let me walk to the front of the boat. Let me take this. Stop trying to prove yourself. Be with me. And because of that, we don't have Jesus in the back of the boat. We have him in our, our, our lives. We have direct access if we are ever in a situation, and this may be harsh and this may be hard to listen to, and it's hard for me at times. If we're in a situation where we feel God is in the back of the boat, it's because we put him there. Because he's not bound by, by humanity. He was physically tired in this account, in this story. He was physically tired because he was on earth physically. He's not in that realm or that restriction anymore. If Jesus is in the back of the boat, it's because I put him there. And why did I put him there? That's a question that I should probably answer. Because if I don't, I'm going to get to the point where I say, don't you care? And his answer is like, yeah. And the great thing is, he loves us enough that he's going to continue to show up over and over again. So, a couple uh, questions for, I'm going the wrong way. Did not take the class and how to use this thing. There we go. 
Real quick, a couple questions for you to think through, ponder this week. I got one more, so there's five. Uh, there's four on the screen because the, the last one's the big one, right? That's the one that's going to be like, whoa. <clears throat> How many people in our world are wondering if God cares? Here's a challenge, and this, when I wrote it, was convicting for me. There's, a, there's part of me that can read that question and be like, oh, I know a whole group, right? My conclusion over the last couple of weeks has been that's every person. Every person is wondering that in some way. Know Jesus, don't know Jesus. Been a Christian for generations or years and years and years to just became a Christian. We're all asking that question in some way. I hope that you stand on the promise and understand that he cares because he's removed everything. Next one, how many people in our community have come to the conclusion that God doesn't care? Well, I think a lot. And I don't think that this year's helped any. I think what we've been facing and what we continue to face are people use it as proof that God doesn't care. It's our honor, honor to go show them that he does. It's not our job. I don't want to say it's our responsibility because that seems like we have to do it. It's our honor. We get to go show our community that he cares. That's awesome. That changes it little personal, what has been your reaction to the storm you're in? Whatever storm that is, what's your reaction? Where are you? Are you sitting down but not inviting Jesus in? Are you bailing water just because it seems like that's all you can do right now? You just need something to do? Are you barking orders telling people, I've got this? Where are you? How are you dealing with it? And what's been your reaction to the storm? I think the last question, what are you, we bringing into the chaos enveloping our community? It's, it, it, it takes us as individuals. We have to come to the conclusion that God cares for us. And when we do come to that conclusion and we get to know it and understand it more and more, we get to the point where we have to, it's again, our honor that we get to go out and give it the truth and the hope and the joy and the peace and the attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness to bring it to a place where it has none. That we get to stand and show them what it means to not only be loved, but to love. We get to bring that into the chaos. And we get to do it together. Like it's beautiful. But I think a lot of times we don't because it's scary, or we might be judged. But that's what I said, who is your demographic? Who does your heart yearn for? Who does your heart break for when you see and understand that there, there's people out there that your heart breaks for, that they're living in chaos and they don't really know how to get out? Or they have no hope. When you think of that, who, what is the demographic? Go to them. Find other people who are like you and go. You will impact them regardless. 
And it's not to admonish. It's not to tell them what they need to do. It's not to be the Peter in the boat. It's to say, listen, I know that you have no control and I don't either, but I know the one who does. Let me give you hope in this time. And it's not in me. It's who I know. And I want you to know them too. I've got one more little section that I want to read to us. It's in a older translation. It's the J.B. Phillips translation. I just love how it's worded. Um, just to close this out today. This is from James 1. It's verse 2 through 8. You can go read it and one that's more familiar. But I also think, uh, side note, hey, reading scriptures in different translations and different forms um, lets us see and experience it in a different way. Because there's, there's sections of this that if I read in the NIV or the NLT, we would just kind of go to sleep because, oh yeah, I can, I finished that verse. I memorized that one. Right. But we read it in a different words and it can speak to us. So, uh, as I close out the Steve's going to come up, but I just close your eyes. If you're comfortable, no one's going to write on you. Um, and just let these words penetrate your heart. Again, this is uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8, and it says this. When all kinds of troubles and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. I'm going to read that again. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed. And you will find you have become men of mature character with the right sort of independence. And if in the process, any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he only, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty. And he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him, but he must ask in sincere faith without secret doubts as to whether he really wants God's help or not. The man who trusts God, but with inward reservations is like a wave of the sea, carried forward by the wind one moment and driven back the next. That sort of man cannot hope to receive anything from the Lord. And if the life of a man is divided, loyalty will reveal instability at every turn. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for inviting us into your story. Lord, I thank you for giving us amazing, wonderful pictures of what it means to be in life with you. Lord, I thank you for the reminder that storms will come, do come. We're in the storm. We will be in more storms. We're constantly in a storm. Lord, I thank you for showing us that you are here. You're never away from us. And you love us enough to let us flounder 
so that we can learn who we are truly. That you use situations, that you use things that are happening to expose who we are. And Lord, for, for the times that we are exposed and we don't like who we are, I thank you that you don't admonish us. I thank you that you don't point your finger at us, that you don't rebuke us, but that you show us love, that you step in in ways that we can't even imagine, that you move in and you take care of it, that you give us friends and, and resources to grow. Lord, I pray that as we continue to go out, as we leave here today, Lord, that we understand the demographic that you have our hearts yearning for. Lord, I pray that we remember it's an honor to take you and your truth and your hope out into our community. To uh, share it with people through love. To understand that they're in storms like we are. And to come to the realize that a lot of people have no hope in the storm and how isolating and devastating that that reality has to be in their lives. And as we think about that reality, Lord, I pray that we are grateful for the way that you've shown up in our life. I pray that we're thankful for the fact that we know you and we can trust you and we can lean on you. And I pray that it moves us, it compels us to move to tell those who don't know who you are, that what you're offering them is life and hope and truth and joy and peace. That we can be a community that comes and brings um, peace and stability into chaos. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Be with us this week. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.